Rest is what God offers you today through our gospel reading, Matthew chapter 11. That's printed out in the worship folder if you'd like to follow along as we study God's word together. I'm sure you've all had one of those days or weeks or months or maybe even years that just, it seemed like one thing after another after another was coming at you and after a while it just, it wears you down. It's been like that for me and my family the last two and a half weeks. Found out a few months ago that my father-in-law had cancer. He was getting chemo treatments. Things seemed to be going pretty well, but then a couple of Wednesdays ago, he ended up in the hospital by ambulance, was having some trouble. They started to do some tests. We, we figured things would be okay, but by the very next day, it was evident it was time for him to go home to heaven. About 6.30 in the morning on Thursday, July 20th, I went to St. Elizabeth's in Appleton, and I, I went to say goodbye, and, and, and you rush to the hospital, right? It's an emergency. It's urgent. We have to get there. And then we waited about 14 hours before Jesus took him home. And then you start the grieving process. We, we started working on funeral plans right away. That was actually just this two days ago on Friday. I had planned a, a trip with him. His name is Steve. And, and I decided, well, I'm, I think I'm still going to go on our little trip. And it gave me some time to reflect and, and prepare and, and grieve of course, as it almost always happens, anytime I leave the house, one of the kids gets sick. So the text came, Eliana's not feeling well. This was a Monday night now. She spent the entire night throwing up. Usually she feels better in the morning, but by 8 o'clock that Tuesday, Heather said, taking her to the ER, come on, now? But what are you going to do? So I rushed home as quickly as I could to find out that Eliana had uh, an appendicitis issue and they were going to do surgery. Sometimes you have those periods of life where it's one thing after another. So what do you do? I suppose you could go buy a fifth and drink it and hope that makes you feel better or, or maybe you can eat one of those five-quart pails of ice cream and hope that makes you feel better, but... There's really only one place we can find rest. And that's what Scripture reminds us today. That we can find rest in Jesus. So if you had a turn to tell your story, what is it that's wearing you out these days? Excited to go back to school, Maddie? Come on, it's August. School's fun, right? No, it's that time though. Going to have to go to bed earlier, get up in the morning, go to school, listen to teachers, do homework, and then activities start, volleyball, football, soccer, whatever is going on. There's going to be practices. There's going to be expectations too, right? You know, I, I don't remember this as a kid, but it, it appears to me now as a parent looking at kids and working with kids from church here, there's a lot of pressure. There's expectations from mom and dad. You've got to do well in school. There's expectations from your coaches that you're going to show up and you're going to work hard. There's expectations from your friends, whether they're, they're the real ones, people that you actually know, or just that social media presence, or expectations from the world that you have to be like this or look like that or accomplish these things. And it doesn't change when you become an adult, does it? Because you don't even get summers off. As an adult, you have to go to work. My wife reminds me that the laundry and that never ends. You have to mow the lawn. You have to do groceries. Take care of the kids. And if you're getting older and your kids are out of the house, you're probably helping take care of your parents. And then it always happens. Someone gets sick. Someone dies. 
and life's hard. Now, it's no surprise to you that the cause of all of our problems, it's, it's sin. We don't just struggle to meet up to one another's expectations, but even God's. And God has expectations. His expectation is that we will live according to his will. Follow the Ten Commandments. Do what he tells us to do in the Bible and avoid all of the things he, he forbids. You realize though, right, that God's expectations, his will, his law, it's not just another chore. It's not supposed to be just another one of those things that makes life hard. Just the opposite. God's law is good. In fact, if we all followed it perfectly, we wouldn't have stress and we wouldn't get tired and we wouldn't have to suffer. But, of course, that's not reality. And because God is holy, he can't just lower his expectations and he wouldn't want to anyway because it's not good for us. But the reality is, as Paul mentioned in our reading from Romans, that our battle against sin and our battle against evil, it's real. And even when we want to do good, evil is right there with us. And as hard as we try, sometimes the harder we try, the more we fail. Which is exactly why God sent Jesus. Jesus came to do what we could not do. Jesus came to carry our burdens for us. Jesus knew all about expectations. As the eternal Son of God in heaven, Jesus didn't really have any expectations. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, I mean, they got along perfectly in heaven. There wasn't any pain or suffering, nothing to make them weary or burdened. But because we were struggling, Jesus put on human flesh and he subjected himself to all of the expectations and all of the problems and suffering that we have to endure. I don't know if we always think about it. We start with Christmas and we're so excited. Baby Jesus is born. But when Jesus went home with Mary and Joseph, even though he's the son of God and they knew that, they still had to take care of him. Which means Jesus had to learn how to brush his teeth and eat his vegetables and make his bed and pick up his toys. Later on, when Mary and Joseph had their own children, Jesus had to learn to get along with his brothers and sisters, even though he was always right and they were the ones who were always wrong. Jesus had to go to school. And even though he's God and knows everything in his human nature, he humiliated or humbled himself. And he had to learn. He had to learn scripture. He had to learn math. He had to learn how to read. And later on, when Jesus began his public ministry, he was open to public expectations. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the Sanhedrin or the Jewish leaders, they all thought that they knew who Jesus was and how he should act and what he should do and what he should say. But in the long run, Jesus knew the only expectations that really mattered were God's. And he lived up to those expectations perfectly. But then he took on another burden. And that was the burden of our sin and our guilt. We know how Jesus suffered. We know about the mocking and the beatings and the thorns on his head and and how he was whipped and scourged. But when I think about Jesus carrying the burden of our sin, the first thing that comes to my mind is that he carried the cross. 
It's always an amazing thing to me because after all that his body had endured from the time he was arrested until early on Friday morning, on Good Friday morning, they still asked him to carry that huge piece of wood. I wonder how heavy it actually was. I have no idea. Maybe it was 100 pounds or 150 pounds. That still paled in comparison to the weight of all of our sin. I remember a chapel once at a school with a bunch of grade school kids where the the chapel speaker had, well, he picked the strongest kid in the school or something like that and had the kid hold two buckets. And everybody, when they came in, they got a rock, which represented their sin. And one at a time, each kid came forward and put their rock in one of the buckets. And he wanted to see how long that strongest kid in the school could hold up those buckets. He did okay for a little while, but eventually it was too much. But not for Christ. Every single one of our sins was laid on him, and he carried it to the cross, and then he buried it in the grave so that he could say to you, Come to me when you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That starts with repentance. It starts with acknowledging that we need the rest that Jesus offers. I want you to go home today and go and read the beginning of Matthew chapter 11. John the Baptist is in prison, and he sends some of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the promised Messiah? Now, it's hard to know if John was kind of wondering, maybe, he was having weakness of faith at that moment, or if he just wanted his disciples to start following Jesus because his life was going to be ending soon. It's hard to say. In any case, Jesus told them, report to John what you see. All the miracles, the blind see, the mute talk, the deaf hear, the lame walk, all of these miracles prove that Jesus was the Son of God and the promised Messiah as he claimed to be. Right in the middle of the chapter, you can sense Jesus' frustration. He's frustrated because of all of the people who heard him preach, who saw the miracles, and they still didn't believe. After announcing that on Judgment Day it would be more bearable for cities like Sodom and Gomorrah than the people who had rejected him, Jesus did something I I find kind of interesting. He's talking to the crowd and he stops. And in my mind, it doesn't say this, but in my mind, he, he looks up to the sky and he begins talking to God. And that's the beginning of our reading today. He said, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I praise you because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. Why would God hide the fact that Jesus is the Savior from anyone? Well, that's not actually the point he's making. It's not so much that God hid Jesus from people, it's that they didn't want to see. They didn't want to acknowledge that they needed someone to carry their burden. They thought that they had done their best, they had lived a good enough life, they're from the right line of people, or whatever qualified them. They thought God should just love them the way that they are, and they didn't want to acknowledge that they needed his help. But that's what Jesus wants us to do. He said, I praise you, Father, not just that you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, but you reveal them to little children. Little children are completely dependent on their parents or others to give them everything. 
Little children also are much more likely to believe whatever someone tells them, maybe not without questions, but without questioning. And that's what Jesus encourages us to do. To be like little children. To come to our Heavenly Father and to to acknowledge that we don't know what's best, that we can't take care of ourselves, and we certainly can't overcome our sin. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And every time we come to Jesus in repentance, he gives us rest. He announces to you over and over again, I forgive you all of your sins. He he tells you that God remembers your sin no more. God has removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. He's nailed it to the cross and he's buried it in the grave. And so you don't have to carry around your sin or your guilt. And some of you do that. Maybe not all of the little sins that we commit, but maybe that one big sin that you did however many years ago and you can't remember it. Or, or maybe it is, the I, I want to do good, but every time I try, the evil is right there with me. God invites you every single day to approach him, to come to him and ask him for his forgiveness and he'll always give it to you. Now that really is enough. But Jesus offers us so much more rest. He said, all things had been committed to him by his father, and that no one knew him, no one knew the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Jesus wants to give you rest by showing you God the father. Isn't that what Moses wanted in our first reading? He was so frustrated with the people of Israel. Lord, you told me to lead these people, but I need some help. Who's going to go with me? And God said, my presence will go with you. And Moses said, okay, but I want even more. Show me your glory. I want to see you, God. And God said, well, you can't really see me and live, so... How about this, Moses? I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover you, and then when I pass by, I'll uncover my hand, and I'll let you just see the reflection of my glory. You can see my back, and that should give you strength. Every single time you come to worship, every time you come to one of our Bible studies, every time you open your Bible at home, Jesus shows you the Father. The disciples asked for that once, too, It was Monday, Thursday evening, and Jesus said to them, my my father's house has many rooms. I'm going to go prepare a place for you and come back to take you to be with me. You remember those verses? Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then Philip, he still wasn't getting it. He said, Jesus, just to show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. Every time you hear or read about Christ, it's showing you how much God loves you. That he sent his own dear son so that you too could become a child of God and learn to trust in him. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. It's a hard lesson to learn how to trust God. Easy for us to say. If I asked you today, I'm sure every single one of you would say, yes, I trust God completely. But when those times come, 
When you're getting hammered with one thing after another after another, when you're feeling worn out and beaten down, that's when we often say, come on, God. That's exactly what happened to me on that Tuesday when Eliana went to the hospital. I'm three hours away. All I want is to get to the hospital to be with my daughter and to do whatever I can to help. By the time I showed up, they had diagnosed her with the appendicitis and the plan was to, to give her the surgery. Great, let's do it. Well, there's not going to be any space in the operating room until 5.30. Come on, right now, let's do the surgery. Put a curtain up, get out your knives. What do we need to do? Let's take care of it. I don't want to wait. Sorry. There's nothing you can do. Pray, say you're sorry, and then wait. Well, in the middle of all that, Andrew was working at EAA, so we needed to get Andrew to AA. Grandma took care of that. And then we realized that at the same time when Eliana was supposed to go into surgery, Andrew needed to be picked up. I'll pick him up. So first you have to maneuver the traffic of EAA, which we learned to do really well. And then I showed up at 5.30 in front of the museum where we're supposed to pick him up. 5.35, 5.40, 5.45, 6 o'clock, 6.00. Andrew, what are you doing? Nobody had come to pick up the money, so he was waiting. Come on, I have to get back to the hospital. Uh, and then I get a text. Oh, on your way back, can you stop at the pharmacy and pick up Eliana's medicine? No, I want to be there because if I'm not there, like, the world stops, right? No. You're just going to have to let God take care of this one. And he did. She's going to be fine. Learn from me, Jesus said, to be gentle and humble. and Learn to trust God. And then one more thing that Jesus said. He said, I carried your burdens. I carried your sin to the cross. Now take my yoke. And my first thought is, why do I have to carry any yoke? Jesus, why don't you just carry it all? Except God wants us to learn to trust him. But Jesus said, don't worry. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I think that's just trusting God. It's becoming a little child. It's asking God to take care of everything in his way and in his time. And when you're a little kid, you don't worry about who's going to work and who's paying the bills and who's providing the food. You just show up to eat. You show up to play. Now, I understand that as adults, we have responsibilities. But in the end, it's God who provides. It's God who protects. It's God who takes care of us. So the next time you're having one of those days or weeks or months or years, you know where to find rest. It starts with repentance, acknowledging that all of our problems are the result of sin. God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and thank you, Jesus, for carrying my sin to the cross and to the grave. Now, Jesus, show me the Father. Teach me to be gentle and humble in heart. Teach me to trust you, and then, Spirit, give me the faith to do it. Because Jesus invites you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen. Please stand.